about God you want to and we'll do our best to answer them so right yep ice cream's good too that oh that's a good question Robbie made the calendar last night is it a Saturday it's a Saturday we wanted to make sure most people could be able to come so we did it on Saturday and it's gonna be at 7 p.m. hmm oh yeah and they're not stressed to be there that's true all right, and then May 6th, we're going to have prayer for the nation at 8 a.m., and, uh, um, and then May 14th is Mother's Day, yeah. and then uh, May 26th through 28th, uh, Larry and Angela Keaton are coming, going to do five services for us. It's going to be great. Uh, invite your friends. Of course, you can invite your friends to Easter, too, so, oh, well. <laughs> Well, they're missing out. That's all I know. Right? And then, uh, let's see. Uh, June 3rd is going to be prayer for the nation again. Uh, June 18th is Father's Day. And June 26th through 30th, which is the last week in June, is Generation Life Youth Camp. Praise God. Got lots of people going this year. Uh, and, uh, well, we only have one youth. But, but that's okay. Right, we're all used to it at heart, that's for sure. Right, yeah, me too. <laughs> Miss Ann says, me too. All right. Right? All right. And then uh, we are going to have a water baptism day in May. We haven't nailed down the date yet, but uh, but the, so the details are still being worked out. Uh, we're going to, because we don't know where we're going to do it or how we're going to do it, or but we're going to do it. Oh, there's plenty of them. We could we could go down to the gorge, <laughs> and we could go down to the gorge. That is that is scary. Uh, that would freeze the devil out of you, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Anyways, I'm being silly. All right. So, we, but we will do some teaching on water baptism ahead of time, so that everyone knows exactly. Uh, what the purpose of water baptism is, and uh, if you decide you want to be water baptized, just let us know, and, and we'll include you. We do have at least one person already that has expressed an interest, so uh, 
Mr. Zach over there. And then, uh, all right, so meditation for the week of April 9th. All right, so this time I, I switched it up a little bit and I put the healing scripture first. Uh, I know, isn't that, isn't that weird? <laughs> Robbie was like, why'd you do that for? I was like, because it flowed better. That the, the, both, both the scriptures I have uh, kind of lead into each other and, and the one leads into the other one better. So I put it first. All right, so 1 Peter uh, 2.24 out of the King James, uh, our healing scripture, is who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Yeah, that's right. It is Easter after all, you know. Okay, so our confession is Jesus Christ carried my sin upon the cross in his body. That I might stop sinning. And live for righteousness. By his wounds I was healed. Praise God. All right. So you know. You notice it does say. Might stop sinning. We have a choice. And we have to. We have to do our part, exactly. He made us able to stop sinning, but but it's up to us to do it. All right, and he expects us to do it, just like we expect our children not to, to, to grow up and still need diapers. You know, he expects us to grow up too. All right, so um, Matthew 8, 17 is our in him. Uh, it's also out of the King James, and it says, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. See how it leads, the other one, this one kind of leads into that, or that one leads into this one? All right. And again, it says uh, that it might be fulfilled. So he, he did this for us. He's already done it. Now it's up to us to follow through with it and receive it. All right. So our confession, as it was written... By the prophet Isaiah, he took my weaknesses and carried my diseases. Praise God. All right. So I think that's good for, the, for that stuff. Okay. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you especially today for the gift of your son. That he rose from the dead and made it made us able to walk a life without sin. That made us that made us clean, so that the sins that we've already already committed are can be washed clean. All we have to do is accept him as our Lord and Savior, and we do, Lord, we do. We put him first in our life. We 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 make him the Lord of our life, and not just not just our get out of jail free card. He has to become the Lord of our life. He says that 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 his followers uh, will know, will be known because they'll do his, what he commanded them to do, and and we do. Lord, we 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 do our best, and we know that you stand with us and that you help us to stand against the devil and to not sin, because you you called us to live a life like Jesus. You called us to be like Jesus. And we come together to learn to be like Jesus, Lord. 
We thank you for being here with us and for guiding us and leading us and giving us the words that need to be spoken and opening our hearts and our minds to that word so that it falls on good ground. It doesn't fall on the wayside. It doesn't get choked out by weeds. It doesn't get stolen by the devil. And devil, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come here. You cannot move. You cannot. You must leave. Leave now in the name of Jesus. You cannot come here. You cannot influence these people. They are children of the Most High God. They are brothers and sisters with Jesus. And, they, and he is their Lord and their Savior. You cannot come here. Lord, we just thank you for this blessing. We thank you for the many things you've done and the things that we don't even know about. And Lord, we just we ask that you stand with us and that you be with us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Derek? Good morning, Disciples House. Let's stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hand. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creature and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ.
I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. His blood has covered my sin. I believe. I believe. My shame. True. Yeah, it was the old, the old covenant that that the sin was covered. We're washed. I'm going to write that down. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I know he rescued my soul. His blood has washed my sin. I believe. I believe. My shame is taken away. My pain is healed in His name. I believe. I believe. I'll raise a banner. Cause my Lord has conquered the grave. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. I know He rescued my soul. His blood has washed my sin. I believe. I believe. Do you believe it? My shame He's taken away. My pain is healed in His name. I believe. I 
sin life. <clears throat> what a happy day it is.
from home. Glory, glory. It's a beautiful day out there, beautiful spring day. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Well, we're going to dive into the Word this morning on Resurrection Sunday. Uh, Real quick, well, let's pray. We'll pray. We'll get into the Word. We got a lot of ground to cover because we're going to, we're going to answer a, a, Real issue this morning. Oh, boy. We're going to answer a real issue this morning. Uh, You know, you see all these bumper stickers and all this crazy stuff out there. Uh, And lo and behold, Pastor Michael found out now. You can go check this out for yourself and find out they were true. Believe it or not, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, 
a federal government organization. organization has a website, and on their website, they actually have listed the zombie apocalypse. They do. And how to prepare for it. And how to prepare for the zombie apocalypse. Let me tell you something. The zombie apocalypse happened. Oh, I said it wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That happened in the garden. It happened in the garden. It's quiet in this house. It's quiet in this house this morning. The zombie apocalypse happened in the garden. Now, you're going to have to explain that, Miss Rogers. I'm going to explain it, but I'm telling you, I'll prove it to you in the Word. But it's, it happened in the garden. Oh, but the Father God had a cure. Woo! He had a cure, and that cure is the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor, you're just making stuff up to get people's attention. No, honey, I'm telling you the truth. Let's pray and we'll get into this thing. Glory to God. All right. Glory to God. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we thank you for being here with us. And we thank you for giving me and Robbie the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right for here and now, the words that... That, that we come with expectant hearts to hear, to draw us closer to you, and to show us your ways. Lord, we ask that you give us wisdom and revelation and knowledge that we might know the purpose and plan that you have for us. Thank you, Father And we ask God. that you, you lead us and guide us and that you make us good ground. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Uh, so as I, as I kind of gave away, what the sermon is today is... Jesus Christ, the cure for the zombie apocalypse. Let me say it again. Jesus Christ, the cure for the zombie apocalypse. I told Pastor Michael several years ago, uh, I said, honestly, before we were ever pastors, I said, man, oh man, I want to preach uh, on a su Easter Sunday. I said, I want to do promotions and everything. I mean, I want because I want to, I want to grab people's attention. I said, on Easter Sunday, I want to do Zombie Sunday. How much you know the world would be like? Wait, a church is doing Zombie Sunday? I said, he, and honestly, back at that point in time, he was like, you are crazy. He said, you can't do that. He said, you're making, I said, let me sit down. I said, let me walk you through the scriptures. And he said, after I got done, he said, well, you might have something, but the church will never accept it. I said, I know, but come on. So me and the Lord have been talking about this for years, for years. For years I've been talking, the Lord and I have been talking about this. First of all, to understand what the, first of all, you need to understand what the word apocalypse actually means. You need to understand what it actually is. Because when you look it up in old Webster's Dictionary, they tell you it's the end of the world and it's total destruction. Well, do you know that God's created plan was ended in the garden? The plan that he actually created was, came to an end in the garden? You know, when God made the garden, he said, look in, look in Genesis 1, look at Genesis 1, verse 31. This is God's creation. And in verse 31, he said what? He said, and God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. It was very good. Everything that God created was very good. But when Adam and Eve 
sinned, you notice it was Adam and Eve, they both sinned. When they sinned, because they were the keepers of what God had created, a curse, um, what you could call, the CDC calls it a virus, what we could call, uh, uh, they call they call the uh, zombie apocalypse a virus, but how much do you know? Something on the spiritual level occurred. There was a change at the DNA level of the human spirit, at the, of the human flesh, of the soul, and, and something changed. How much do you know that's what a virus does is it changes things in the body. It changes. So, uh, so when this change occurred, now let's look here. Uh, let's look in uh, Genesis chapter 2. Well, actually, let's, let's go right here. Genesis chapter 1, verse, let's read what it says in verse 27 and 28. All right. Well, 26, 27, 28. 26, oh, okay. 27, 28. Let's get the whole picture. And God said, let us make man in our image. No, yeah, stop right there. What we got going on in the sound booth? Oh, okay, I got to adjust my mic. All right, is that better? Okay, I got to yeah, get rid of the echo. A lot of scratching going on. All right, so uh, who, who, who's talking? God's talking. Who's he talking to? Himself. Mary had it. He's talking. The three of them are talking. Yep. The Father God, because it said, let us, not let me. He's let talking us, to himself. The Father God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. Now, I touched on this the other day in one of the sermons. Wednesday, I touched on it. Let me explain this to you. God is God. God the Father is God. Jesus Christ is God. The Holy Spirit is God. But as much as they are one... They are totally separate. They interact totally separate. They have totally separate uh, responsibilities. They operate differently. They each provide different functions as God. So, is God, is, is God one being with three personalities? No. That would be schizophrenic, and our God is not schizophrenic. Are they three separate gods? No. They're one God. They're one, but they have, and, and the Holy Spirit is part of Jesus as much as Jesus is part of the Father, and the Father's part of the Holy Spirit as much as he's part of Jesus. They're all one and the same. I heard Jesse Duplantis describe it this way. Uh, he said in his God, Enca or God Encounters of, or, yeah, God Encounters of, what is it, Close Encounters of God Kind. That's what he called it, Close Encounters of the God Kind. See, Jesse Duplantis Say what you may about him, but he actually got to go to heaven. He actually had an encounter where God took him to heaven. Now, he'll even say in his, in his testimony, he said, I don't know if I physically went or if I only spiritually went. He, but he said this. He said, as far as I knew, I was actually there. It was as real to him as us standing in this room, as real to, sitting in this room is as real to you. It was that real. And Jesus escorted him into the throne room. And he could only get so close to the throne before he, like, hid his face, got on his hands and knees and hid his face and was bound and what have you. And, and Jesus left him there, prostrate before the throne of God. And Jesus went up and he said, he said, I kind of tried to do what Brother Randy calls the Pentecostal peak. 
you know, you kind of act like you're praying, like you got your eyes closed, but you're kind of looking and peeking around, you know. And so he was attempting to do the Pentecostal peek to see where Jesus was going. And he said, up on that throne was this glorious light, which agrees with the scriptures. And he said, and Jesus walked right into that light. Went right in. So what was the light? The light was the Father God sitting on the throne. And Jesus went right in there, spent some time in there, and came right back out. See, they're one, they're together, but yet they're separate. They're separate. So here God is sitting down. It's the council of God. And he's having the Father's there, Jesus is there, the Holy Spirit is there, and they together as one made a decision to make us, mankind, in their image. Now, how cool is that? I mean, if you just get a revelation that you're in the image of God, that'll do something for your self-image. Woo, you mean I look like and I'm designed after? You mean that uh, my, my blueprint is like the blueprint of God? Yes, honey, it is. And it was that way from the beginning. Whether you know God or not, you're created in his image. Whether you know him or not, you're created in his image. Glory to God. And uh, he said, he said, in our image, he said, let's make man in our image and what? After our image. You know, God's a three-part being. I just explained it. But guess what? So are we. We are a three-part being. Let me help you. The real you is not this physical flesh. Did you hear me? The real you, the eternal you, the part of you that's going to live forever is not this house that you live in. Glory to God. If you ever go driving, I'm going to take a side trip here. You ever go driving kind of in the city areas and you get to those neighborhoods and they're what we call the cookie cutter houses? And every house looks exactly the same, and you think, man, if I was having a bad day, I might go into the wrong house. You know what I mean? Because they all look exactly the same. Isn't that a boring neighborhood? Aren't you glad Jesus had enough sense to not make us cookie-cutter houses? Woo! See, this body is not a cookie-cutter house. It's only cookie-cutter in the fact that we have two ears and two eyes and a nose and a mouth and the same body parts, but other than that, we're all uniquely different. Isn't that glorious? We're all uniquely different. Praise God. The scriptures say that even our physical—that when the curse enters here in a minute—that even our physical houses were corrupted and changed. That wasn't a scripture I pulled. I'll pull it at some point. But we're created in His image and in His likeness. I was saying we're a three-part being. So this is our house. Our physical body is what you would call the house of God. That's one part. The true us, the real us, I hate to disappoint you, honey, but I've never seen the real true you with my physical eyes. Okay. I've seen the real true, and when you know somebody's heart, when you get to know somebody's heart, you know the true them. But the only way you can get to know their true heart is to spend a little time with them. And how much you know, sometimes you like people's hearts. And sometimes you like, you need a new heart. You need a heart transplant, boo-boo. Why? Because you're a zombie. I said zombie or cockless. Come on. Some people. So you got the real true you on the inside. And then to, to get the true you to function, 
within the house, Jesus had to give you, a, the Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost had to give you what we refer to as the soul. Even the Father refers to it as the soul. That's the, that's the seat of your personality. That's your feelings, thoughts, your emotions. That engages the brain and all those hormones and all that. Well, Pastor, when I die and my house stays here, what happens to my soul? What happens to my soul? Your soul goes to heaven or hell, depending on if you're a zombie or if you're quickened onto life. And here's the deal. It's your choice. It's your choice. Now, well, Pastor, you keep talking about zombies. I know. I'm going to tell you what a zombie is. It'll help you. But first, I've got to help you understand that we're a three-part being. And now what did he say about us after that? So now we know we're spirit, soul, and body. The real us is our spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. All right. So what are we supposed to do from here? What's the purpose of God creating us? What? So many people say, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? Oh, I don't understand. Why am I here? Why does Jesus have me here? What's my purpose? Uh, let me think. If he said, <laughs> he said, God said, let us make man in our image after all like this. Colin, here's your purpose from the beginning of time. Let's read it. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the, of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Girlfriend, you got dominion over those spiders. You need to quit declaring that you're scared of them. Listen, I had a youth one time. It freaked me out. I couldn't believe it. Ridiculously afraid of a butterfly. <laughs> I mean, a butterfly come along, and she had a complete meltdown. The spiders, I understand, they're kind of creepy looking. They're creatures of the curse. But a butterfly? Come on! But look at what he said. Let us have, here's your purpose. Your purpose is to have dominion. If you take your notes, write, notes, write it down so you don't forget it. Next time somebody asks you, what's my purpose? Oh, well, that's very clear. The Bible tells you in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26, what your purpose is. What? And, and verse 28. To have dominion. When Jesus, how much do you know, when they were out fishing all night and didn't catch a single fish, and Jesus said, go back, take the boat back out and get you some, and they said, there ain't no fish, but whatever you say, Lord, I'll do it. How much do you know, when they went back out and they put them nets down, there were so many fish, they had to call the other fishermen out to get the fish. Why? Because Jesus exercised dominion over the fish, and Jesus said, fish, get in the boat. Actually, what Jesus said is, fish, get in the boats. Get in the boats. Fish, plural, get in the boats, plural. What did the fish do? They got in the boats. The fish got in the boats. What did Jesus do? He did what we were created to do from the beginning, dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. Now, Kathy's in this trip to Israel, and blessings. I know she's been listening to our services online. Uh, thank you. We, Kathy, we love you, and we miss you, and we look forward to you being home. But she told us that in one point, one day, she had a bull that decided, uh, you don't need to be here, and tried to chase her off. 
her and her fellow uh, hiker off. And uh, they said, at first it was scary, she said, but we did some shouting and beating our poles and got the bull to go. I guarantee you she wasn't out there going, ah! I guarantee you she was going, in the name of Jesus, you better stop. And, I guarantee, and she said, and that bull stopped. She didn't have to tell me in the text what she did because I know she did it because that's what she does with the bears when she hikes here at home. She tells the bears, you're not coming near me in the name of Jesus. Get in the name of Jesus. And guess what? Those bears get up and go. She got a mean rooster on that farm. You know that mean rooster chases her mama all over creation on that farm? Because her mama doesn't understand her authority in Christ. But Kathy says, I just tell that rooster in the name of Jesus, you ain't going to bow up at me. You ain't coming at me. And that rooster's like, okay, mama, I'm leaving. I'm out. Why? Dominion. Dominion. Now, if you got dominion over the fish and over the fowl and over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth, how much more do you know you got dominion on everything else in life? Jesus had dominion over the fig tree. How much you know you got dominion over the trees? Jesus said, if you'll speak to the mountain, you'll have dominion if you'll just speak to it. The problem is, why, well, Pastor, why do things not happen when I say that they're not going to happen? Because you don't believe what you say. In fact, when you say, well, uh, well, every time I put money in my pocket, it just falls out the other end. Well, guess what? Falls right out. I got holes in my pockets. I bet if I go through your wardrobe, I can find literal holes in your pockets because you've created them by the words of your mouth. Come on. Dominion. Our purpose and our plan is to have dominion. Let's keep going. Let's find out in verse 27 what he has to say. Ooh, we got a long way to debunk <coughs> these, these zombies. Come on. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. How, how many genders did God create? Two. How many genders are there? Two. Two. Just because you believe that you're a furry, fuzzy, donut head gender doesn't make you one. I, I can believe all day long that the grass is pink. It don't make the grass pink. Don't make it pink. Come on. Just because I will, just because... I know. I, I believe in Canada. Listen to me. I believe, if I if I understood it correctly, in Canada they have 169 genders. 169. And growing. Well, y'all are shaking and, your and, head, going, "What's wrong with Canada?" And, and growing. Well, guess what? The United States has what 96 or something like that. We ain't far behind. Zombies. Come on. <laughs> Zombies. Don't worry, I'm going to explain what zombies are. All right. Come on. So, well, he is. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. See, again, he's telling them what his plan for us is. What Be is, fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. What is our purpose? Here's, a, here's more of it. Here's more of it. He, did, he, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't stop telling us our purpose. He said, number one, God bless them. What does blessed mean? Part of our purpose is to be blessed. That means that we're to have a good life, full of favor, full of prosperity, full of health. What part of my purpose, part of your purpose is to be blessed by God. Part of your purpose is to be blessed by God. So if you're rejecting God and preventing God from blessing you, you are not fulfilling your purpose. Uh-oh, be fruitful. 
Oh, well, well, does that mean that I have to have children? I'm not a fan of children, and I don't want to have children. Well, you that's between you and the Lord. Michael and I don't have natural children, but we sure do have spiritual children because that was God's plan for us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Love each and every one of you. Want to pop your heads like balloons from time to time, but I still love you. How much you know that's a true parent? How much your parents? Is that not true? Sometimes you want to pop your kids' heads like balloons. You're like, listen. Or like Joyce Meyer says, you want to unzip the unzip, get back here and find their zipper and unzip them and pull the stupid out and zip them and put some good in there and zip them back up. Yeah, that's the love of a father and a mother. That's the love of a parent. Come on. But be fruitful doesn't only mean with producing children. It means be fruitful in your life. Produce some things. You were not called to be a couch potato. You were not called, oh, Lord Jesus, or, or, you're going to hurt, oh, or, somebody's or going to get hurt. Listen, you were not meant to sit on the phone or on your computer console, console and play games all day long and produce nothing in your life. Those games produce nothing. They're a time waster. Or, or be a pinball wizard, for that matter. Right, you weren't called to be a pinball wizard. That's exactly right. Come on. No, you were called to produce in your life. You were called to do some laborious things, produce some things, make some things good. And have and, and replenish the earth, not just yourself, but the earth. Right. And, and that word it. replenish technically should be the word fill, not refill, but fill the earth. Uh, and, oh, what did it say? And subdue it. And subdue it. And have dominion. Wait, there's a colon. Right. Well, Lord, oh. exactly what do you mean by subdue it? He's going to tell us. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So what's the first part of your purpose? Dominion. What's the last part of your dominion, uh, purpose? Dominion. That word dominion also means authority. It also means Power. Power. Your, your purpose is to be a person of power, not to rule and reign and, and, and over other people as a, as a slave owner, but you are supposed to have power to create. How much you know God says everything that you say uh, creates, good or bad. We're to have dominion. So that's our purpose in the world. That's how God created it. He said in verse 20 and verse 31, everything that we... Um, said uh, in, in, in verse uh, 28 or verse 29 and 30 he tells them what they uh, that God's given everything in the earth he's given to mankind this nonsense about well oh lord this nonsense about well we've got to give to mother earth what mother earth has given to us where's that in the scriptures where's that in the scriptures tree huggers now listen, we need to honor and respect and give glory to everything that God has given us. We don't need to mistreat anything. We need to be good stewards of what the Lord has given us. I'm not saying that. But God didn't, treat, didn't give us the bark on the trees to wipe our rear ends. He gave us bark on the trees because the bark can be used for a lot of different tools, a lot of different things, and he's given us the wisdom for that. He's given us wisdom on how to obtain. How much you, do you know that some bark on some trees is actually medicine? Some bark on some trees is actually medicine. He's given us the world for our benefit. 
not for his benefit, and we're not here just to be a parasite. And, and, and God did not create us, to create us to be a parasite upon the earth like some people want you to believe. No. Now here's the other thing. God told us to multiply. And in the garden, we were never supposed to die. There's this conspiracy, and a lot of people are in fear about this, about we're overpopulating the world, and the world's going to run out of resources. Do you think that if God created the world to sustain all people, and people were never supposed to die, that he didn't also put enough resources here for us? Yes, he put enough resources here for us. He knew the curse was coming. He knew this was happening. But he was still giving us the chance for it not to go that way. And he gave us all the supply. Come on. Now, let's get over here to chapter 2. And let's see what he said uh, in verse 16. All chapter right. 2, verse 16. Let's read here. And the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Can we eat of every tree of the garden? It's not a trick question. What did he say in verse 16? He said we could eat of all of them. He said, now he said, he said you, ha you can eat of all of them. Every tree of the garden. Every tree of the garden. You can eat of every single one of them. Now let's look at verse 17. He said, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not, shall not eat. eat. And then there's a colon and he tells them why. For so, in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. He gave mankind free choice. Over in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, I set before you life and death. He said, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then if you're not sure what to do, he tells you, choose life. It's exactly what he did for Adam and Eve. He said, all of this is for you. He said, everything here is for you. He said... There's this one tree, though, that if you eat of this one tree, you're going to die. But it's your choice. Well, then why did God have to put the tree in the garden to begin with? Because if he didn't put the tree in the garden, we truly would not have free choice. We truly would not have free choice. It's kind of like this. I mean, come on, let's think about this. You got an oven in your kitchen and a stove. What do you use it for? To cook, you have a baby. That baby gets it to be a toddler, starts walking around, touching everything, putting everything in its mouth, comes over when you're cooking dinner, and you tell him, baby, no, don't touch it, it's hot. It'll burn you. Hot, yes, hot, hot, yes, hot. Burn, burn, hot. You told that baby 50 times if you've told him hot once. Don't touch it, it's hot. What's that baby going to do? going to touch it. Touch it. How much you know that baby can just go cry and scream, Why is it an oven in the house? Why is it an oven in the house? Should you get rid of the oven just because the baby's going to touch it? No. No. How much you know baby had a choice to be obedient or not be obedient? When baby touched the stove and it got hot, guess what? 
got burned. How much you know, before the baby ever touched the inside of the oven and got burned, the baby touched the outside of the oven when the oven wasn't being used. Then when the oven was being used, still touched the outside of the oven and was like, well, it's a little warm, but I didn't get, to, I didn't get burned. How much do you know? Baby got over by the oven. Oh, there's some, oh that's a little warm over there. Oh, that's warm. How much do you know? Was testing the grounds. How much, that's exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. They got near that tree from time to time and got to looking at it. All this stuff. Come on, there's a reason that tree's there. Because we have to have free choice. How much do you know? It's a, just like it was a choice for them to eat of the tree, it's a choice for you to choose to do wrong when you know to do right. How much do you know? you got a whole lot of trees in your life you shouldn't touch. Or you can get near it, but you shouldn't eat of it. Come on. There's a whole lot of trees in our life. They only had one to contend with. we got a multitude to contend with. Glory to God. Let's read a little bit more. Verse 18. Gotcha. And the Lord God said, it, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground, out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. So, he, so Adam is doing his job. He's producing. He's producing names for these animals. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Everything is good. He's working on this. Okay. Oh, I, that's the verse I missed. Back up to verse fifteen. Oh. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. To dress More it, purpose. To dress it and keep it. That's our purpose, to dress it and keep it. In other words, your purpose is, here, listen to me, the purpose of mankind has not changed. The purpose of mankind is to dress the earth, make it nice, make it pretty, and keep it. Jesus said we're the salt of the earth. What are we doing? We're here to exercise dominion. As long as the church, the assembly of God, is still on the earth, as long as there's local churches, the gates of hell will not prevail. Why? Because the local church, the members within the local church, have God's power, authority, and dominion because Jesus gave it to them. Now let's find out when these zombies took over. Let's find out when the zombies take over. Chapter 3, verse 1. All right. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Is that not what God said? He, he said, he looked right out and he said, Didn't God say that you can eat of every tree of the garden? That's what God said, isn't it? That's, see, Satan will always wrap his lie in a truth. He'll always talk, bring a truth to you before he'll bring you a lie. All right, keep going. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Did Jesus say that? Or did the Father say that? Not exactly. He said don't eat of it, but he didn't say anything about you can't touch it. This is why we don't get into conversations with the devil. Because when we get, see, first of all, let me just point out, she was not, it didn't faze her that the serpent was talking to her. Well, the side journey, Eve, was, Eve and Adam was present. We find that out here in a minute. 
Adam and Eve were not present that the serpent we're was talking. Surprised the serpent was they talking. weren't surprised. In fact, they carried on a conversation with them like it was completely normal. Well, how did God get the animals on the ark two by two? Go read the account. Go read the account of it. It wasn't until the animals got off the ark that there was a division between mankind and the animals. They came to the ark. God said, go. They went. They said, they went. They went here, they come. here come the turtles. Noah, we're here. Where do we go? You go third deck up, fourth stall over. That's your spot. Okay, Noah. Off they go. Here come the antelope. Frozen energy, a little spooky. Noah, we're here. Where do we go? Uh, fifth floor, sixth stall to the left. Okay, we're on our way. It was commonplace. It was commonplace that they spoke to the animals. Easier to have dominion that way. It sure is easier to have dominion that way. All right. You, he said, now he told her, but she said you can't touch it. See, she, what she did, and this is what we do. We look at sin and we go, oh, oh like alcohol. Oh, alcohol is so evil. One sip and you're dead. And then somebody gets you to take a sip and you don't instantly die. And you think, huh, hmm. Maybe this stuff's not as bad as I thought it was. Let me try a second sip. Same thing with vaping. Same thing with marijuana. Same thing with sexual sin. Well, marriage is, uh, sex is for marriage, so no intimacy. Six, six inches. Keep, stay over there. Oh, oh, we touched hands. Oh, that's it. <laughs> and then you touch hands, and then you do a little this, and you do, oh, this, before long. For long, you're in, you're in it, man. You're in it, and why, and you're in it because now you've been letting the body have control, and now you don't know how to rein that thing in. Come on, dominion. How did this thing get in here? So, see, this is why I said you don't get in a talk, you don't get in a conversation with the devil. When the devil brings you a wrong thought, you answer him with the word of God and only with the word of God, and you don't tell him, well, I think this. Because really what she said is the Lord said we're not supposed to eat it, but honestly, because we don't want to be tempted, we just don't even touch that tree. And he went, huh, wheels turning. Well, if I can just get her to touch it, then I'll show her that she won't die. In fact, the Jewish rabbis and scholars believe by the way the scriptures are written in the original language that that's exactly what the serpent did was he backed her up into the tree and she bumped it and he said, see, you touched it and you didn't die. Why can't you eat it? That's what they believe. So see, this is why we don't ever talk to the devil. Because what he's fixing to do, her, she's alive unto God. Adam's alive unto God. Their spirit is completely alive. They've got the glory of God on them. God comes and walks with them every day in the cool of the day. Uh, which could be morning and evening. It could just be once, but God walks with them every single day. They've got total dominion. They've got total rule. They've got total everything. I mean, if you have total dominion, what does that make you? Ruler, king, God, authority. He said, oh, he bumped her back here. He got her back here, and he bumped her into it and said, oh, you touched it. You didn't die. 
See, he he's thinking, how can I convince her that her how how can I how can I twist her thinking? How can I twist his thinking? Let's read on. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods. Notice that's little g. Little g. You shall be as little g gods. Now, they didn't know this at the time, but we know this now. Uh, you can, how much you know, you can get a lot of revelation and understanding uh, when you're looking behind, things behind. That little g God, everywhere in the scriptures, when you see little g God, that means you can be like the demons. Because little g refers to demon gods or, uh, or idol gods, which are demons. He said, you'll be like little g gods. You'll be like, you know, oh, wait, but how much you know? Somebody, somebody hears that word, I can be like a god. But they don't understand that from a scriptural standpoint, there's two different types of gods. There's the one true God, and then there's demons which are gods, little g gods. He said, for you're going to know good and evil. Why are they going to know good and evil? Because they already know good. They already know good, but they don't have a revelation of evil. Honestly, let me ask you something. If you could go back and erase all the evil from your world that you have knowledge of, would you do it? If you could, if you, the evil things that have occurred in your life, if you could just erase them from your life and not have the knowledge and the hurt and the pain of it, would you erase it? Absolutely. That's why, that's what makes children so wonderful is children have no knowledge of evil. They don't have any understanding of evil, and therefore they're happy, and nothing bad can happen to me, and woo, it's a party all the time. Right? Until their flesh gets in there and they get tired. Well, there is, a, there is a truth to that, but, but he was convincing her that she was without knowledge. See, the devil will always tell you you're missing out. You're not missing out the good, honey. What you're missing out on is the evil. Were they missing out on the good? Was there any good that they were missing out on? No. So when they ate of that tree, did they gain any good? No. All they gained was the knowledge of evil. That's all they gained. Listen, if I be, you know, uh, I tell these young, I tell, I tell our teenagers when they're youth, I tell them all the time, don't be in a hurry to be an adult. Don't be in a hurry to be an adult. Do not be in a hurry to be an adult. And then they're like, they rush to be an adult, and then they start being true adults, and then they, never fails. They come back and they go, Pastor, I don't like it. Can I, can I please go back to being a kid? No. 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 Sorry. No. Once you know evil, you can't go back from it without Jesus. Without Jesus. Let's keep reading. All right. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Who was there? He was with her. Adam was there. So many people say, oh, it was that woman. That woman gave it to Adam. Adam was there. Adam was supposed to have dominion. Adam should have immediately stood up and said, stop talking to that serpent. 
exercise dominion over him. He's trying to get you into trouble, and you need to stop. Listen, men, you're supposed to be the head of the household, which means from time to time, even though your wives are strong-willed, trust me, I'm one, sometimes you men need to say to your wives, stop. You were created to be the head of the household. And you wives, when your husband says, stop, you need to take the time and say, is he telling me stop from God? Because if so, I need to listen. Keep it in balance. Keep it in balance. Listen, there's a personality difference between men and women. Men don't, don't see the details. And because they don't see the details, they see the, they see the, they see the walls coming, the bridges out before us women do. Because us women are so focused on the details of the right here and now that we're not looking necessarily 15 moves ahead. I mean, we are through the details, but we're not looking at the, we're like, oh, this has to be done, that has to be done, this has to be done, that has to be done. Oh, we're doing this and we're doing that because we're making the end goal come to pass. But what we don't necessarily see is the roadblocks along the way. But the men do. The men do. And then God created us that way for a purpose. I'm listening to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you get two men in a relationship, and they both see, what? How, what? Are, how are they going to operate correctly? You two women in together in a relationship, how are they going to operate correctly? You can't. And dear Lord in heaven, if they both think that one thinks they're a dog and one thinks they're a cat, how in the world are they going to function correctly? Zombies, come on. I'm listening to the Holy Ghost, y'all. I'm, I'm trying to get us there. Come on. All right. Now, let's keep reading. I know. Come on. We got to get to when, this, when the zombies enter the world. Okay. Come on. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. What happened? When they ate of the, fruit, when they ate of the tree... Well, they didn't die. That when they ate of the tree, immediately their eyes were opened and they were naked. Immediately. Because up to this point, they were clothed in the glory of God. Immediately, there was a physical change in the human race. Immediately, there was a soul change in the human race. Immediately, there was a spiritual change in the human race. Immediately, Adam and Eve knew something had changed. This is the moment that the zombies came into play. This was the moment. This was the moment that Adam and Eve, that all of mankind became separated from God because they chose to sin. This was the moment. Now, let's find out what a zombie is, Pastor Mike. Okay. Well, there's a whole lot of information on zombies out there, so I had to pare it down a bit. So I, I tried to stay with uh, reputable sources when looking for information on zombies. Uh, I got uh, I got information from uh, NPR.org and Wikipedia.com and uh, and the History Channel 
and uh, the CDC. And, and we know all of the now, now listen, we know all of these are slanted to man's point of view. We understand that. They're not looking at this from a political viewpoint, but they're looking at these things from a natural viewpoint. So we understand that. So let's find out what naturally it has to say. Well, as you may or may not know, most most cultures around the world have some form of zombie in their um, folklore. Now that I didn't know. Almost every every culture in the world has a zombie uh, something in their folklore. Right. Um, and now now they're not all titled zombies, but they they there some are ghouls and ghosts and specters and. Uh, vampires and uh, mummies and all that kind of stuff. It's all a form of the undead, so to speak. Um, but um, so, and what the, one of the main things that these, they all have in common is they have a, a form or a semblance of, of life, a seeming of life, but it's not life. It, it's, it's the opposite, in fact. It's, it's eternal death, okay? So let's, let's, let's list this. A zombie is has life, but is actually eternally dead. He, okay. does, he doesn't have life. Well, has a form he, of he, life, he has but a is eternally dead. Of life. He has a counterfeit of life. Oh, a counterfeit of life. Hmm. Right. So it's a seeming or a semblance or a form, but it is like not life. It's counterfeit. So, and they're they're called the Walking Dead. Of course, they're they're eternally dead. They, so what? So it's not like they're dead and they stay dead. No, they're they're dead and they move around and they walk around. They they get up and they move around. They have a they're eternal, but they're dead, right? Okay. So if you, if you look in the in the Bible, uh, it says that that uh, when we sin, we're separated from God, right? And God is life, and God is light. And when we're separated, then 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 we the curse comes on us, and and we have and we're gonna reap death. Right. We're right. We have eternal death. If we, if you don't have eternal life with God, you have eternal death. That's that's what exactly. the Bible says. And 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 remember, God told Adam and Eve that they could eat of any tree of the garden, but if they ate of that one tree, they would die immediately. Now, even so, in, even in even in the account of the Bible, they didn't die immediately. They didn't. They died spiritually that day. Now, I, I'm gonna real quick. You know, Short story, Brother Randy was flying and talking to the dad, to the Father God about uh, the new birth. And God said to Brother Randy, uh, um, he said, he said, uh, Adam, he said, Adam died the day I said he would die. And Brother Randy said, now wait a minute, Lord. He said, I can take you to the scriptures and prove to you by your own word that Adam and Eve, that Adam did not die that day because the Bible says that he lived to be 936 years, I believe it is. And, and God said, God with a bit of um, indignation in his voice said, I am not a man that I should lie. When I said Adam would die that day, he died physically that day. He said, 1,000 years with your man's years is one day with me. And Adam did not live 1,000 years. Therefore, Adam physically died the day.
day that I said he would die, which is why Jesus Christ has to come and rule on this earth for a millennium, for 1,000 years, because no man has ever lived a 1,000 years on the earth. No man has lived an entire day on the earth. So he did die physically that day, just not the way we think about it, according okay. to God. Well, but spiritually, he died. He was walking around and physically dead to God, or spiritually dead to God. Okay, well, keep that's going. one way of looking at it. Well, that's what he said. <laughs> that's Okay. Okay, keep on. Oh, I can go? Yes. You sure? Carry on. All right. We don't need to do this. <clears throat> so, um, God, as I was saying, God, God doesn't lie, but He said they die that day, you know, and so, but they were walking around, but they were spiritually dead. That's right. They had been separated from God. They had been separated from life. They had been separated from love. They had been separated from light, and they were, and they, they were spiritually dead. They were dead. And they were eternal dead. That's right. Uh, they weren't going to live, their bodies wouldn't live on forever. They're going to die before the, the, the one day of, of God is over. They were, they were going to die. But their spirits would then be eternally dead and eternally damned. But God had a plan. Yes. So, but we're coming back to that. So anyways, in the meantime, zombies also uh, have an eternal hunger. They're never satisfied. They're, they're, they're always hungry for, for, for more of the flesh. They're, they're always seeking after the flesh. They're, 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 uh, but at the same and they're always wanting to feed off the flesh. And, and they're, they, at the same time, they're also wanting to spread their affliction to everyone else. So, which is kind of a contradiction. They want to eat you, but they want to, they want to make you one of them. It's kind of weird. But... Does this not sound like a sinner? Yeah, because because you, you know it when when somebody when one of your friends is sinning, they they always want you to come out and sin with them, right? They want you to come smoke pot with them, or they want you to go drinking to with the them. casino with them, or they want to, they always want you to participate in their sin. They're they're seeking to they bring want you, you with them. They want you to be in the same spot they're in, and and the, and the reason why they're seeking for all these things they're seeking is because they have an eternal hunger. That hunger is they're, they're, they're missing the love of the Lord in their life. Exactly. They don't have it. That hole, in there, that hole in there that they're trying to fill, they're never going to fill because they can't have the Lord because they're, they're, they're sinners. They're dead. Zombies. They're zombies. So, you know, that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, very true. Because yeah. they're all looking in the wrong places for this love that would, that would fulfill them, that would ca cause them to be whole again. Right. And of course, of course, at this time, there was no way to fulfill that. Nope. They were always going to be this way, and 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 they spread and they spread it to their children. They spread it to everybody, and and as you saw, you know, when Noah came along, and God said, "You know what? I'm done with y'all. Y'all are a mess. I'm going to get rid of everybody except for you, Noah. You're the best of the lot. I'll keep you and a couple of your family, and we'll start over again." So he, he, but it, but the, even this didn't cure the problem. Nope. That's that sin seed was still in them. 
that it, virus was still that on the virus inside. was still a part of them, and it and and there was no way to overcome it at this point. But he okay. he went so far as to wipe out every living thing on earth to try and to try and start over again. That's right. So so they're they're always hungry. They're 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 never fulfilled. They used to be living. So zombies. So one of the things that I found was zombies cannot love, laugh, or live freely. Believe that. One thing that 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 some of us older folks would would know that uh, is that zombies originally from the culture and where they came about from was from Haiti and from and from Africa, uh, and they were they were they were basically uh, um, these voodoo masters or, or um, shamans would would make them make people into zombies and they would be their slave, right? So zombies are are uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Zombies are mindless servants that do the bidding of the master that possesses them. Uh oh. Right. Say that again. Zombies are are mindless servants that do the bidding of the master that possessed them. So again, from a spiritual standpoint, demons their their ultimate goal is to take control of a person. And force that person to do their bidding. Zombie. Demon controlled. Zombie. Now, and, and here's the deal. They start with the mind. Demons start with the mind. Then they get down into the flesh. And then they get down into the spirit. Provided that you give and surrender over to them long enough. This sounds very much so like these, these zombies, does it not? Come on. All right. So... So they've they've been possessed. They're they're mindless servants. They used to be living, but they cannot love, laugh, or live freely. So zombies are almost always in 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 the society society are cursed with an irreversible or uh, less than attractive subhumanity. How much how much you know? Sin is is, uh, is ugliness gone to seed. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so a less than attractive subhumanity in a single-minded pursuit of some task or thing. Now notice it says irreversible. In other words, they themselves or the, or the demons that cause this problem can't reverse it. The only, thing, the only one that can reverse this issue is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can reverse it. So zombies were traditionally pictured as slow both physically and mentally. So they would just shamble along, doing their thing, you know, trying to go after you, but you could get away from them if you're quick enough, right? So if, if we avoid the the people that are sinning and trying to draw them in, into or draw us into our their sin, we can avoid this. See, That's we right. can get away from it. All right. With Jesus Christ, you can. Come on. Now you may have noticed in recent years that uh, that Hollywood's been trying to change the image of, of zombies, you know, trying to make them more appealing to people. Trying to show them that oh zombies can zombies can love they can have babies uh, that they're fat they're faster than you think they are uh, and that they can even be smart and devious I'm like you know but here but that's actually a truth listen see what we don't understand what people don't understand is Satan is a has a counterfeit for everything that God has where God can bring life. Where God can quicken, Satan can make somebody look like they're alive, but really they're dead. 
Satan can make somebody look smart, but really it's the demon in that person, not that person. Can I put something on the spot with you? Is that okay? Because you know where I'm going. When, when he was demon-possessed, and Jackie will testify, one thing that attracted her to him was he knew the Bible better than she did. He could quote scripture. He could, I mean, he, I mean, he looked like he was on it. When he got totally set free and that demon was no longer in there providing the word for him, she'd say, do you remember? And he'd go, what are you talking about? I don't know that scripture. I've never seen that scripture a day in my life. See, it's not the person that's that way. It's the demon in them. Do you understand this? This is why I'm saying the zombie apocalypse has already, oh, by the way, I didn't get to finish reading that word, telling you what that word apocalypse is. That's the same word, that comes from the same word um, that we get the word revelation from. It's the Greek word, you pronounce that, I can't, come on. Apocalypsis. Apocalypsis is the Greek word that we get apocalypse from, and it means making naked disclosure of truth. Um, uh, apocalypsis is when events that are hidden are made visible to all. So what are we doing? We're making visible to all the tactics of zombieism. We're, take, we're, making, we're making it clear how Satan turns people into zombies and that this was able to begin to occur from the garden when they ate of the tree. Do you understand this? We're unwrapping the truth about zombieism. Zombie is not something that's just made up of. It's not something that people just make up. It's not a fairy tale. It's rooted in the truth of Satan and how Satan operates through pe in and through people. Yep. That's what zombies are. See, zombies literally are, are, are separated from God. A any type of undead. That's what they are. They're separated from God. And, and that's, that's what the whole thing here is about, is, is, is we were separated from God starting in the garden. And it looked... You know, if you just had the Old Testament, it looked pretty bad. There was no way out. It was irreversible. Um, and, and the ancient Greeks were thought to be one of the first cultures uh, to be terrorized by the fear of the undead. Archaeologists uh, in, in excavations in Greece have found many ancient graves which contained skeletons pinned down by rocks and other heavy, heavy objects so that they couldn't crawl out of the grave. Of course... Uh, Hold on, let's find out. Let's, 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 you let's, want to look let's, at a scripture? Let's, let's, go, let's, go, let's go show you why the Greeks were afraid. Okay. Come on, let's go show you. It's in the scriptures why they were afraid. Come on. Let's go to... Well, you could go to Isaiah 59. Okay, read that one. Okay. Isaiah 59, uh, verses 1 through 15. Behold, Jehovah's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But you're in... Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you so that he will not fear or not hear you. For your, your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies and your tongue muttereth wickedness. None sueth in righteousness and none pleadeth in truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatched adder's eggs and weaved the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, 
and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are the works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are their paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no justice in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein does not know peace. Therefore, if justice is, therefore is justice far from us, neither doth righteousness overtake us. We look for light, but behold darkness, for bright, brightness, but we walk in obscurity. We grope for the wall like the blind. Yea, we grope as they that have no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the twilight. Among them are lusty. We are de as dead men. We roar like all like bears and moan, like do moan sore like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee. Our sins testify against us. Our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. Transgressing and denying Jehovah, and turning away from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and justice is turned away backwards, and rightness standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and uprightness cannot enter. Yea, truth is lacking. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. So this is a description of zombies. It sure sounds like zombies to me. It sure is a description of it. But now let's go to Ezekiel 37. That was Isaiah 59, 1 through 15. I believe that was the easy translation. I believe that's the easy translation, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, go, go to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. Now, don't worry, we're going to get to Christ the victorious one. But we got to really make a case for, to, um, for you to understand these zombies. Why they had a fear of them, why there was a thinking of them, why, there was an under, why, the, why this was a situation in uh, biblical times. So Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 37. Now, we know that Jesus rose a couple of people from the dead. How much you know that freak you out? That freak you out. That'll, that'll feed into some things. Uh, let's, so right, Ezekiel 37, chapter, uh, verse 1 through 10. Verse 1 through 10. All right. No, this is, no, King, this is James. King James. All right. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out of the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. So, so here's what happened. God took Ezekiel and carried him and put him right there in basically a mass grave. A mass grave where there were bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, in other words, they've been dead a long time. Yep, nothing but bones on them. And he said unto me, son of man, can, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. God said, God said uh, Elijah... Is it possible for, for, the, for a person that's dead to be brought to life again? 
How much you know Elijah has a little bit of wisdom to say, uh, Lord, only you know the answer to that. Again, he said to me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Notice what it said, hear, hear, hear the word of the Lord. Keep going. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. Ooh, come on. That's one of our healing scriptures. When God speaks to you, he says, behold, I will cause breath to enter in. These were dry bones. Come on. There was no life to them. It wasn't like these bones died yesterday or last week. These were, this wasn't Lazarus dead. You know, Lazarus was stinking by the time Jesus raised him. These bones were well beyond the point of stinking. These were, there was no flesh upon them. They were dry and they were brittle. And God said, is there any chance? Is there any chance? See, this is what you have to understand about zombies. It doesn't matter how big of a hold the devil has upon your life. It doesn't matter how far you... Come on. The man, the man in the tombs had 2,000 demons in him. One possessed him. There were 2,000 of them or more. We know uh, that there was at least 2,000. And yet the power of the word of God, Jesus spoke to him, and he came to life that day. Amen. He came to life that day. When, when Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophet, with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit sitting on him in a measure like Jesus had sitting on him in the fullness, when, when Elijah at the word of God spoke to those bones, look what happens. All right. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and you will bring up flesh, and, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as the, I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon the them. The sinews are the ligaments and the muscles. And the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then, now at this point, they're zombies. But God doesn't make zombies. No. So God wasn't done yet. No. <laughs> Come on. Come on. First he brought the body together. He pulls the body together. Listen, he was healing these bodies from that ultimate position of death. He was healing them. When God saves a person, he saves them completely. He heals them and makes them whole. He breaks every bondage off of them. Now, you've got to get in agreement with the spirit that's on the inside of you and work those things out. But on the inside, that bondage is broken. That bondage is set free. The day you got born again, did you get not completely set free? He got completely set free. Now, he had to do a renewing of the mind, which took some time. But spiritually, in his, but down on the inside, he was completely healed, completely whole, completely set free. Come on. All right. Jesus, or just Jackie, when you finally got a hold of the Lord, did the Lord not break things off of you suddenly? When, she finally, when, she, when, it went, when Jesus went from Savior to Lord, every sin on her life was broken. When Jesus was nothing more than Savior, she had no victory over sin. 
that zombie, that zombie behavior still had a hold on her. But when Jesus went from Savior to Lord, all of a sudden, every sin she had ever dealt with. And let me tell you something. And I'm not trying to, I'm, 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 she knows I'm not belittling it. If you could name it, she was involved in it. I'm not exaggerating. But the day she said, nope, he's no longer Savior, but he's Lord, every single one of those sins fell off of her instantly. Instantly. Come on. All right. So verse 9. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Listen, they had already seen, the people of old had already seen this mass grave of people come to life. Do you understand why there might have been some fear as to why they would have put rocks on people to keep them in the grave? And remember, this, this, was messing this with is their Old mind. Testament. This, this is this, Old this, Testament. This was written, I don't remember the exact year for Ezekiel, but this was written somewhere around 500 years before, before, Christ. before Christ. So, And these stories were told round about, so it, it would have gotten around even to the Greeks about, about these stories. Jesus, notice it said it was an exceedingly great army. Listen, Satan thinks he's got something because our babies, when our babies are born, they're born alive onto God. Our babies are not born zombies. Our babies are born precious, wonderful children of God, but somewhere around the age of a cat, but somewhere usually around the teenage years, they reach what we call the age of accountability. It's different for every person. Some people may not reach it until they're in their full adulthood, but they reach this age of accountability where they willingly sin like Adam and Eve. Well, it's and just, when they it's just willingly like when, sin, it's just like when Adam and Eve willingly sinned and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Suddenly, at the age of accountability, you suddenly realize the difference between good and evil. At the age of accountability is when you, on purpose, knowingly choose to do wrong when you know to do right. Which, until you realize the difference between good and evil, you can't do. You know, a little four or five, three, four or five-year-old child, they'll lie, but they don't understand what a lie is. Exactly. That's not the age of accountability. The age of accountability is when they understand that exactly, precisely what a lie is, and they understand that there's consequences, and they say, excuse I'm my language, consequences be, and they do it anyways. That's age of accountability. Yes. Okay? But when they reach that age of accountability, then Satan has every right to move in, to separate them from God, to cause them to become a zombie, to become his servant, to become, honestly, his mindless servant, because he gets a hold of the mind first. That's what he does. He attacks the mind first and causes their thinking to be twisted, causing them to be mindless servants to, to his will, to his desires, to his thing, causing their flesh to just go get. Listen, you can be addicted to anything. You can be addicted to video games. You could be addicted. Listen, you could be addicted to your bed of sickness. That's Holy Ghost. You could be addicted to any. You could be addicted to the wrong foods. You could be addicted to wasteful time. You could be addicted to drugs. You could be addicted to tobacco. You could be addicted to alcohol. You could be addicted to anything. Sex, pornography. I mean, you could be addicted. You could be addicted to sports to where sports is your god. 
You could be you could be addicted to Mother Nature where trees and the rivers and the rocks are your God. You could be addicted to the moon where the moon is your God. You could be addicted to anything. What's behind it? Satan. That's the moment when you be, when Satan grabs a hold of your mind and you willingly rebel against God. That's the moment you become a zombie. And let's face it, uh, you can become addicted to these things before you reach the account age of accountability. That's why we don't let kids drink or do drugs or, or watch pornography or, or any of that stuff. And, and, you know, with phones nowadays, kids are watching pornography way before they hit the age of accountability. And, and trust me, you can become addicted to that. I read a book in the early 90s. This is in the early 90s. It was a brand new book, and it was in the early 90s. It was called uh, uh, Battle for Generation X. Um, and they, in, in the 90s, there had been a study done right before this book came out. And at that point in time, from just the quick images that kids caught, a little here, a little blurb on the computer screen, a little blurb from a magazine cover, a little blurb from a quick flash on the, on the TV or movie screen, it said by the age of 13, most, most children by the age of 13 could run a full-length pornographic movie in their head. Not from the 90s. Here we are a uh, long time later, and imagine what they can do now. Imagine what they are doing now. Come on. But now, oh, go to Matthew chapter 27, because man, oh man, there was another zombie day in the Bible. There was another zombie day, and the king of glory transformed them. The king of glory transformed them. Glory to God. 24? Uh, 27, Matthew 24. 27. Almost the last one. Gotcha. Verse 49. Well, let's, let's back up uh, to verse 46. Well, let's back up to verse 45. Okay. Matthew 27, 45, uh, right down here to 53. All right. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land and unto the ninth hour. From noon till three o'clock in the afternoon. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli. Lama Sabathani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the moment. That was the moment that Jesus Christ. Now, come on. Way back there in the book of Genesis, Jesus Christ was one with the Father God. At this moment, in the moment that he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because from the beginning of time, to that moment, Jesus had always been one with the Father God. But in that moment, every sin of the world ever committed that would ever be committed was laid upon Jesus' body. Jesus, who had known no sin, became one with sin. In that moment, Jesus was completely cut from the Trinity. In that moment, he had no connection to God. In that moment, all he knew was the utter darkness. All he knew was what it was like to be a zombie. He became one with the ultimate control of Satan. He became one with sin. Every sickness was laid upon his physical body. He became one. He was cut off from the Father. In heaven, all there was was the Father God and the Holy Ghost. 
There was no Jesus in heaven at that moment. There was no connection to him in any way, shape, or form. In that, so when Jesus said, why has thy forsaken me? That was the moment that he, became, that he was completely cut off from his eternity. That was the moment. But oh, look at what happens. Do you understand why the skies turned dark? At noon, at noon is when sins began to be laid upon him. For three hours, sin was just laid on him and laid on him and laid on him and laid on him for three hours. And at the end of three hours, every sin had finally been laid upon his physical body. He had finally become one with every single sin ever committed, then or in the future. And he said, Father, why have thou forsaken me? This wasn't just a remark out of the remark. No, he was cut off. Let's keep going. All right, so 47. Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man called for Elias. And then straight away one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. In that moment, how much you know, uh, people, sinners have mercy for sinners. Sinners have mercy for sinners. This was a sinner. This was a this was this was a this was this was possibly even one of the guards that, that whipped him one time. This is why zombies don't eat eat each other. Right. They have mercy one for another. They have grace for one another. Do you know that zombies have mercy one for another, but they don't have mercy for Christians? Why? Because demons hate God and His children. So this, this sinner had mercy for Jesus because in that moment, Jesus was one with him. While others mocked him in that moment. Keep going. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. He said, the, other, the other one said, the other very hard-hearted people said, leave him alone. Let's, let's watch and see what God does. Have you ever had a sinner say, well, I'll believe in God when I see God do something? That's what they were saying. Well, let's see if his God is real. Let me tell you what. If they understood what was happening in the spirit realm, they wouldn't have been so sarcastic and rude. If they had understood that their, that their blaspheme was being laid upon Jesus so that they wouldn't have to suffer the penalty of their blaspheme, they wouldn't have blasphemed him. Come on. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent. Verse 50. Who, does it say, does it say, and in that moment, Jesus' spirit chose to leave him? No. He yielded up the ghost. Even though he was completely, even though he was completely cut off from God, and he was headed for hell, he willingly chose to say, Spirit, you may go. And he willingly said it for our benefit. See, you have to understand, Christ going to the cross is as much a will of an, as much as an act of the will as us receiving him as Savior. He had to lay his life down to let the fathers to, to let to be the sin sacrifice, and we have to willingly lay our life down to say, Jesus, your sin sacrifice was enough for me. Come on. Oh, but look at ooh. 
But the veil. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. What happened was there was a major. Now this is what science will tell you. Well, what happened was a major earthquake. That's why the rocks split. And, and that's why um, uh, these things happen. But no, let me tell you what the veil is. The veil was this huge curtain that was about four inches thick. And behind the veil represented the Holy of Holies where only the priest could go to get in the presence of God. Only the high priest. And what happened was it was rent. In other words, it was ripped from the top. Now, when you rip a curtain that's hanging on the wall, do you grab it at the top and rip it or do you grab it at the bottom and rip it? bottom you grab it at the bottom no this curtain this veil was grabbed at the top the hands of god reached down to that veil and ripped it in two from the top to the bottom this thing was like 12 foot by eight foot and four foot and, and four inches thick come on no man could do that no earthquake could do that only the hand of God could do it. Just because you couldn't see the hands. And honestly, you ought to be glad you couldn't see the hands because that would have freaked out a lot of people. The, hand, the hands of God reached down and ripped that thing because the work that Jesus was doing was making it so that you and I could have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That veil had to be ripped so that we could become one with God and sit on the heavenly throne with the Lord Jesus in and through his blood. That veil had to be ripped because God was doing a brand new work. God was fixing to bring the, God was bringing the cure for the zombie apocalypse. Jesus was gone down into the, Jesus went into the gates of hell. He was put in a cell on your behalf is what happened. And it says, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. In other words, the Jewish temple. Now, let me tell you what was happening in the Jewish temple when this was going on. This was Passover day. This was Passover day. Four days earlier, Jesus came in on lamb selection day. Now, Jesus had Passover meal the night before with his disciples because, oh, let's go look at this. Hold your place right here. i got to show you this. Go to Leviticus. Go to Leviticus. Uh, I believe it's 23. I know we're here on time, but come on. It's celebration day. Y'all can hold on another minute or two. Come right, on. 23. Leviticus 20. Is it 23? I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. 22. 22, okay. Leviticus 22, verse 1. Now, I'm going to tell you this. The word feast means meeting appointment, a divine appointment. Convocation means a holy assembly. So I'm going to read it this way just to help you guys out. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say to, the, and say to them concerning the appointed meetings of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy assemblies, even uh, these are my holy meetings. Six days shall be done. And on the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, the holy assembly, and, uh, the holy assembly meeting. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. These are the meetings of the Lord, the holy assemblies 
the appointed times to meet with me, which uh, ye proclaim in their seasons. In the fourteenth day of the first month at evening, which is sunset, is the Lord's, notice that's all capital, is the Lord's Passover. The Lord's Passover. Passover, remember the, remember the Israelites were in bondage to the Egyptians for 400 years? Remember they were mindless slaves for 400 years? And then the plagues came, and, G, and the Father God said, go get a lamb and kill him. And, and put his blood on the doorpost because the angel of death is going gonna, is gonna to pass by that night. Mm-hmm. That was done. Uh, we're in Leviticus 27, verse 1. Oh, 27. I thought we were in 22. Sorry. 23-2. Okay. 23-2. Sorry. I've been looking at so many scriptures, y'all. Leviticus 23-2. Or 23-1-2-3. Any case. Yeah, go, go to verse 5. Go to verse 5. Um, yes. The 14th day of the first month. 23. In, in the Jewish calendar, the first month oh. of the year is not equivalent to our January. It's equivalent to our March-April. They our, our calendar starts in the winter. Their calendar starts in the spring. This month is the Lord's. Notice that's all capital. The Lord's Passover. The Lord. Who's, who is Jesus? He's the Lord. This is his Passover. This is his Passover. Jesus was taken, and it, it says that Jesus was taken uh, in the evening, in the evening, which is what it's supposed to say. Uh, verse 5, give me this in the, I don't know why that doesn't have it that way. Try the New King James Version. My King James says this. In the 14th day of the first month at evening, at evening. That one says at twilight at the New King James. There you go, at twilight. Why is this so important? Because they came and took Jesus from the Garden of Gethsemane on the evening of the 14th day of Nisan, the 14th day of the first month of the year. They took the lamb. And four days prior to this, Jesus had come in as the selected Lamb of God. He had come in. So, while Jesus, the selected Lamb, is being crucified on the cross, what's happening in the temple, because the 15th day is, uh, because the 14th, during the 14th day time is when the lambs were slaughtered so that, and cooked, so that they would be ready for the feast at 6 o'clock the next night. So this is the day. So they will be, So Jesus was put on the cross at noon. This is when the lambs come into the, this is when the lambs, they're being slaughtered. From noon to 3 is when the priests are slaughtering the lambs in the temple. So the priest sent Jesus out to be crucified. Meanwhile, the priests are in the temple slaughtering the lambs for the Passover. Now, what is the Passover? The Passover is when the Israelites moved from the bondage of Satan, the bondage of Pharaoh, into total freedom in Christ. This is the day, this is the exact time, the exact time that those lambs are being slaughtered is the exact time that Jesus is on the cross. 
The time that those lambs went into the cooking fire is the time that Jesus went into the pits of hell. It's when it happened. He died at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's when they were done slaughtering the lambs. So about the time that they're done, about the time that they're wrapping up slaughtering the lambs, the temple that they're in, they're getting ready to cook these lambs. They're getting ready for this. About this time, all of a sudden, the, the veil between them and God splits, and the walls begin to shake, and the temple crumbles into rocks. And they split. Oh, but something else amazing happens. Oh, something else amazing happens. Go back to Matthew 27. Uh, You've got to see it to understand it. Matthew 27. Go back. Working on it. All right. Now, this, is, uh, this only happens in Jerusalem. It says, at least as far as we know, as far as the Bible records, and it says, so he gave up the ghost. There was this quaking, and it says, and the graves. What verse are you in? Verse 52. Okay. 52. I'm reading 52. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Only the bodies of the saints. Now, this is freaky. This is freaky. Most of the time... A lot of the bodies are, are, are in the tomb, are in caves. But they did have some fields where the bodies were buried. And in these fields where the bodies were buried, the earth quaked, and some of their bodies came to the surface. Notice it says the bodies of the saints. So not every physical body came to the surface. Only the bodies of the saints came to the surface. Now, that's Old Testament saints. These were people in the Old Testament that lived right according to the law. Now, some will say that the earth just shook and the bodies kind of came to the top and laid there. But the next verse says, and came out of the graves. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. Many bodies, and it says which slept. Mm-hmm. Which slept arose. Which, in other words, the bodies came to the surface. Now, look at verse 53. Come on. And came out of the graves after his resurrection. After his resurrection. After his resurrection, those bodies that came to the surface, listen, these were saints that were good and dead like Ezekiel's bones. And it says they did what? It says they came out of their graves. The saints came out of their graves. Jesus was not the only one that came back to life the day of today, 2,000 years ago. He wasn't the only one. The saints came, but they, they came back to life after when? After Jesus rose. After his resurrection because he was the firstborn of the dead. What entitled them to come up out of the graves? I'm so glad you asked. Woo, I'm so glad you asked. Oh, come on. I think it's Peter. I didn't have it marked. Give me a chance. Oh, finish it. Yes. And went into the holy city and appeared unto many. <laughs> so not only did they rise from the graves, but they got up and walked around and went and, and visited people. Come on. They went and testified. 
They went and testified. These saints got up and testified. What did they testify? Go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Come on, 1 Peter chapter 3. There had to be something happening in the spirit in order for these saints to arrive. What happened? 1 Peter 3, 19. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. <laughs> go back up to go back up to verse 18. 1 Peter 3, 18, 19. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Woo! Jesus was quickened by the Spirit. Spirit. By yes. which he also went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Well, where are the spirits go, in prison? Go, go back to verse 18. Go back to verse 18. Verse 18, okay. Back to verse 18. For Christ also once suffered for sins. Where did he do that? On the cross. On the cross. Uh, the just for the unjust. Was he not the just? Yes. Did he not suffer for the, for the unjust? Yes, yes, he did. That he might bring us those that have received him, to God. Being put to death in the flesh, we could also, be, we could also say being spiritually blessed, but quickened, physically quickened by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit went down into heaven and quickened him. And after the Holy Spirit went down into heaven and quickened him, he whipped Satan stripped him of all his power, stripped him of all his authority. I'm going to show that to you in a minute. Stripped him of everything. And then... You meant to say the Holy Spirit went down to hell. I mean, yes, the Holy Spirit went to hell, raised Jesus, quickened Jesus. Jesus went to Satan, kicked Satan off his throne, took the keys of hell in the grave from him, all power, authority, mind, dominion, took it from him. Then, because he was resurrected to life by the Spirit, he walked over there to Abraham's bosom. He walked over there where the saints of old were. He walked over there where, um, oh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the fathers of old. He walked over there where David was and King Solomon was. He walked over there and he did what? Look at the verse, the very next verse. He preached unto the spirits Mm. in prison. He preached unto the spirits. He preached unto the spirits that are where? In prison. In prison. Why were they in prison? Because death, hell, and the grave had not yet been conquered. So while they were in the place of the dead, they were not being tormented. They were in a separate holding area. This is where the idea of purgatory comes from. But when Jesus came and he preached to them, those that received, what did he preach? I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one I am the one and only way. I am the Messiah. I am the one that you have been waiting for. Those who believe on me shall live and not die, but have life everlasting. And those that were in prison had to make the decision in an incident of time. Was this guy for real? Was this guy for real? They had, listen, the saints of old, well, what happened to the Old Testament people that actually lived for God? They, too, had to receive Jesus. If they, too, had to receive Jesus, do you think that the Jews today are not going to also have to receive Jesus? 
Absolutely. If they had to receive Jesus in the place of the damned, or the dead, I should say, then aren't we going to have to receive Jesus in the place of the living? Whoo, yes we are. He. Now this all happened before today. This is, this is what happened. Jesus. Sometime last night. Sometime yesterday. Sometime yesterday. Went over to Abraham's bosom. And he preached himself to these people. And these people said, I believe. They did the prayer of salvation. Yes, Lord Jesus, we believe in our heart that you are who you say you are. And we receive you. You are my Lord and Savior. Yes, we believe that what you're telling us, that you died on that cross. We, can, we believe it. Yes, we believe it. Come on, take us to the King of glory. And Jesus said, momentarily, I'm going to be raised back to life. And he said, right after I come out of the tomb, you're going to come out of your graves. And when you come out of your graves, I want you to go into Jerusalem. I want you to go in amongst your friends and family, and I want you to tell them about your experience. Uh, how much do you know Jerusalem is freaking out right about now? Rome and Greece is freaking out right about now. Now, do you understand why they're putting rocks on people saying, we don't want these people coming out of the graves no more? Why? Because these people came out of the graves. Came out of the graves. Lord Jesus, they came out of the graves. Oh, thank you, Father God. Glory to God. Come on, go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Come on, it's Resurrection Day. We can give God a little bit of extra time. If you're getting stiff, stand up, shake around, give Jesus a yell and sit back down. Come on. It's all right. We got this. Glory to God. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Let's read. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. Who don't walk like zombies. But after the Spirit. But walk after the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Woo! The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that resurrected law, that resurrected law that Christ to paid my price for me has made me free from the law of zombieism. Come on. Come on, made me free from the law of sin and death. I don't have to go into the grave. I don't have to go into this place. I don't have to go down. I can go up. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Let's keep reading. For, the, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. The <laughs> oh, come on, he condemned it in the flesh. Come on. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Come on, how are you going to conquer being a zombie? You're not going to walk in the flesh. You're going to walk in the spirit. Why are you going to walk in the spirit? Because you've received the same spirit that Jesus received. The same Holy Ghost that resurrected and quickened Jesus Christ is the same Jesus that quickened you to life and uh, away from death. The cure for this zombie issue, the cure for death, hell, and the grave, the cure for getting demons and devils out of your life, the cure for getting addictions and pains and issues out of your life, the cure for getting sickness which comes from sin out of your life is Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Come on, church. This should excite you. Come on. It does. 
<laughs> we need to show it. Wait, Come wait, on, wait. keep going. Keep going? Okay. <clears throat> For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Come on. Zombies go after flesh. Zombies go after the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Come on. If, we're, if, we, if we've got Christ, we go after the things of Christ. Come on. For to be carnally minded is death. To be what minded? Carnally minded to or flesh minded, minded is death. Brings death. Come on. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Put your mind on the things of God brings life and peace. Because the carnal mind or the flesh mind is enmity against God. Oh, hatred against God. When you're, when you're just all on the world, 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 it creates a hate for God on the inside of you. Come on, you don't want to do that. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Why? Because it's, a, it's, it's a, uh, subject to the law of sin and death. That's right. The law of sin and death is the curse of zombies. That's right. That's it, it. It's, 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 it's eternal separation from life. It's eternal separation from God. It's eternal separation from love and light. It is eternal. That's right. And it, the only cure for it is Jesus Christ. Now jump over to verse 16. Verse jump, 16? Okay. Jump over to verse 16. The Spirit itself... Bear, Should say himself. All right. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When you have the life of God, when you've been quickened by the power of God, you've got a witness on the inside that says, yep, you belong to God. You, I can ask you, listen, if you know, listen, if I, can, if I ask you, Miss Judy, are you heaven bound? Absolutely. No hesitation, no anything. Yes, I'm heaven bound. Listen, if you go, well, I just don't know if I'm going to make it, then you need to be born again. I'm telling you right now, if you have a question, well, I, I mean, I'm just hoping I might squeak in. Listen, if that's what you're thinking, you need to be born again. You need to get the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. And then when you say, yep, I believe the cross happened. Yep, I believe the grave happened. Now, here's the deal. Your mind can say, I don't get it. Your mind can say, well, how did he even survive the whipping to go to the cross? Your mind might say, well, how did he go down and how was sin laid upon him? How was sin? Listen, I don't need to know the details. All I need to know is it's so and it's true and I receive it and I believe it in my heart. And therefore, I have confessed with my mouth the Lord Jesus. And therefore, there's a witness on the inside. There's no emptiness. There's no, I have experienced that emptiness on the inside. There is no emptiness in me. I am full to the overflow with the knowledge that I am headed to heaven. Amen. But here's the deal. My work's not done. No. My work's not done. Because Jesus said, if you, the scripture said, if you have faith, then you have work. Why? Because I want to take as many people with me as I can on this good gospel ship. I want to go. I want you to come with me, and I want to, now listen, I want to obtain everything that Jesus obtained for me. Now, we ain't got time for this, but the scriptures say that there's a garment of salvation, and the indication from the garment of salvation, the indication, according to what we've been reading in Revelations, we'll also talk about that uh, Wednesday, is them garments of, of salvation, they're kind of skimpy. They, they're kind of skimpy. I heard one man say uh, that when one of his family members gets to heaven, he's arriving in his speedo. Like, they is skimpy. Jesus said, Jesus said to the lukewarm church, you're naked and don't even know it. In other words, you're saved, but you're naked. Listen, that garment, I think them garments of salvation are about like fig leaves. 
No, you don't want that. You want the robe of righteousness. You want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Here is thy crown. So you take that crown and lay it at Jesus' feet. Oh, come on. You want it. Why? Because Jesus died to obtain it for you. It's not about wanting greed. It's about Jesus died so I could have it. So, yes, Lord, I'll take it to honor you. Come on. Come on. He went and preached to them. Um, And so there's a witness, the Holy Ghost on the inside. The same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead that caused Jesus to go, Woo! I'm alive unto God. God, let's go do the work. Is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you that should cause you to go, Woo! I'm alive unto God. Jesus, Lord, Father, God, let's go do the work. Why? It's the same Spirit. It's the same Spirit. Come on, and I, and, and I know those people out those people out there that don't have the Lord. They're 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 not lovable. They're zombies. Come on, you know. But but God, but God, Jesus zombies. told us to go and uh, to love them the way He loved us. That's right. He loved us when we were zombies, so He wants us to go and 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 love show them. them His love and lead them away from the zombies. Yep. Couple more verses. Can you handle a couple more? Ephesians one. And set them free from the zombies. Come on, Ephesians one. Ephesians one. Where is Come on. Here. Let's talk about let's talk about what Jesus got when the Holy Ghost went down into the grave. Come on. Beginning. Verse twenty. Ephesians one, verse twenty to the end of the chapter. Alright. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. What he wrought in Christ was exceeding power in the verse above. All right. Come on. Uh for above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church, Listen. which is his body, the fullness of him that fulfilleth all in all. In the garden, of, in the garden God gave us all dominion. We turn that dominion over to Satan. Jesus Oh, the Father God sicked Jesus on the devil. And Jesus took back, verse 20, uh, actually let's go to verse 19. Jesus took back the exceeding greatness of his power. He took back exceeding great power. Our, uh, it says in verse 19, uh, which, he, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. When he raised Jesus from the dead, he set him in his own right hand. Far in heavenly places, Far above every demon in hell. Far above every scheme of man. Far above every fiery dart. Far above every weapon formed against you. Far above. He said far above principalities, powers, mights, and dominions. Those are the four levels of demon activity. And every name that is named. Listen, I don't care what name comes against you. I don't care if it's Billy Bob, Sue, cancer, death in the grave. It's below Jesus. And you're seated with Jesus, so it's below you. You've got authority over that thing in and through Christ. He said, he said uh, every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. This power is never ending. His name is never ending. And has put a few things under our, under his feet. No, has put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all to the church. 
Jesus is our head and we are his body. If the head has power, might, and dominion, the body has power, might, and dominion. If the head is quickened to life, the body is quickened to life. If the body, if the head can do all things, the body can do all things. We just got to get in agreement with the head. The problem is, is we're operating unattached from the head. Because if we was attached to the head, if we thought like the head thought, if we acted like like the head acted, if we did what the what the head said to do, man, oh man, this would be a different life for me and you. Amen. Uh, in case you can't tell, that's Holy Ghost prophecy. Holy Ghost prophecy. Because I don't think can talk that way. Come on. Glory to God. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Hold on now. I know we're at time, but come on. You just can't put God on a clock sometimes. Philippians 2 verse. Oh, come on. Jesus. Let's look at verse 4 to verse 10. All right. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Come on, don't don't have your mind on yourself all the time. Don't have your mind on yourself all the time. Have your mind on God. Have your mind on the love and compassion of others. That's how Jesus thought. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, is when he became man, and was made in the likeness of men. Listen, Jesus said, yep. You know, because Satan wanted to be above God. Satan wanted to be above God. Jesus said, you know what? I'm perfect being right there equal with God. He said, but... He said, Father, we created this mankind. And so, Father, because it's our creation, I'll get down there on the ground with them. I'll become just like them. I'll I'll live life just like he lived life. Come on. Jesus is humble, church. He's humble. Come on. But he ain't afraid to do what needs to be done either. Come on. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Listen. Jesus gave his life unto death for us. It's only fair, right, and proper that we give our life unto death for him. Now, I'm not talking physical death. I'm talking, well, I am talking physical death in a degree because there's things in our life that God wants out of your life. There's things that he wants out of your life. I mean, I'll just be transparent. Michael and I, we, tend, we grew up on video games. We don't play them nearly like we used to, but we still play them a little too much on our phone. And God's gotten on to both of us privately and said, get that thing off your phone. It's distracting from me. Several times. And we go, okay, Lord, and we'll delete it. And then the flesh gets a hold. We get bored. We get tired. We don't want to spend time with Jesus right now. I just want to do something mindless. Like a zombie. I heard it. You didn't need to say it. <laughs> Let's read on. <laughs> All right. Uh, where was I? Nine. Okay. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Woo! Jesus' name is above every name. That the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of the things in heaven and the things in earth 
and things under the earth. Now, I, now I pointed this out the other day. You're in healing school that that scripture says sure, should, not would. And I had a few people wag their head at me. It doesn't say that. Well, it does too. Let's go look at it. It says should. Why does it say should? Because if we, the body, do not use his name, if we don't stand in our dominion, authority, and power, those knees will not bow. That's right. In fact, the they'll, should, take, they'll take control. The should is based on us standing in our authority, might, and dominion. Supposed to bow. But they're not. Because I'm telling you right now, the devil will run right over you and take your life from you if you allow it. you got to make him bow. Listen. Listen to me, young lady back there. Life doesn't just happen because it happens. Your life, the, you, you are a product of your words and your duties today is a product of what your life will be tomorrow. Mari said it to me not that long ago. Mari said to me, this is why people don't talk to the pastor because it might get used in a sermon. <laughs> but the Lord said to him, he said, your life is a product of the things that you've said and done. Is that not what the Lord said? The Holy Spirit told him that. Listen. There you go. He's where he's at today because of things he's said and decisions he's made. Same thing. The devil will run right over you if you allow him. If you just throw up your hands and say, well, whatever comes, comes. The devil will turn you into a zombie. Come on, let's read. Verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's up to us what our walk looks like. It's up to us if we maintain. He said, work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation, which means, Christian, you can be saved and lose it if you decide to turn back to the things of Satan. Now, there's mercy and grace for the baby Christians, but if you come to church in this house and you've been taught some things, uh, then you're accountable. You're accountable for what you're taught. Come on. It's the day and the hour that we can't live on milk alone anymore. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Come on. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, or your flesh, which are upon the earth, Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. Yes, that word. And covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh in the children of disobedience. Listen, that same spirit that quickened Jesus to life is the same spirit that has quickened us to life. 
Man, we got it going on. We got it good. Oh, man, oh, man. I want to read one last verse, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Because I want you to see that just like Jesus was quickened to life, we're quickened to life. What Jesus has, we have. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. We'll pick up right there. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. We are complete in him. Complete in him, who is the head of all principality. There's a colon there. Let's finish off the thought. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So he took, he took the curse of, of sin and death and nailed it to his cross. That's right. So that we wouldn't have to bear it, so that we wouldn't have to go through it. The curse, the virus, the sickness of zombieism was nailed to the cross. And when we receive Jesus Christ, then we get set free from that. And we walk in the newness of life, resurrected and quickened to life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that life began on the day of, each, uh, on the day of resurrection. That's why this is a celebration day. That's why this is a holy day. That's why this is the day of great excitement and great renewal. When we come into church on Easter from this day forward, we should never walk in these doors sad, down, and glum. Oh, my Jesus. He went to the cross this week. No, honey, today is celebration day. There was a great victory in heaven today. There were streamers streaming from the sky. There was confetti going off everywhere. The trumpets of heaven were being blown. The angels were in full guard and full honor guard and full dress, and they were walking. They, they were making the way for Jesus as Jesus paraded through the streets of heaven on those streets of gold, dressed in his, in his royal robe with his train that was so big and so long that it filled the temple. And then he walked down the streets. And listen, he wasn't, his robe wasn't dragging on all dirty, dusty, God-forsaken streets. His robe was walking on the polished, fresh streets of gold. It was confetti and streamers, and it was a big fanfare. And he was walking, and that robe declared the names of, of every victim that he whipped. His, at the top of his robe, was, in that train, was engraved Satan, Lucifer, the fallen angel. And every demon in hell, the demons of, of, of harassment and demons of of destruction and demons of addiction and demons of homosexuality and demons of all other forms of sexual impurities and every iniquity is, is addressed and written in his robe. Every sickness that they can put a name on is written on his robe and when it gets to the end of the robe it says and every other name that is not yet engraved is engraved. Come on. And he's walking through those streets, and the trumpets are blaring, and the streamers are falling, and the confetti is falling, and the angels 
are walking, proceeding before him in their honor guard dress. I mean, those angels, their, their armor is polished to a T. Can you see it? You got the great big seraphim with the great big, with a hundred eyes wrapped all around their head and their six wings with the eyes on the wings. The wings are pot, the wings are bright and shiny. They got wings on their feet. They've got the armor. They've got the flaming swords. Can you see this? The seraphim, they're golden. They're golden flesh. They're golden brass, burning flesh. Is And they're going, and behind them, here come the cherubim, the carriers of the anointing. Here come them. Here come the servant angels. Here come the protectant angels. Here come the warring angels. Come on, just one legion of angels. Just one legion is 2,000 to 3,000. And Jesus said at the Garden of Gethsemane, do you not know I can say to the Father of God, here, I get, I, all I had to do is give a word, and 12 legions of angels are at my side. 12, yes. 12 legions of angels? Come on, that's just Jesus' personal heavenly on the earth angels. He's the head of all the angels. And they're walking, the worshiping angels. The holy angels, they're all in their honor guard, and they're all walking with Jesus. And the, and the worshipers, the righteous, come on, the righteousness of heaven, and they're all praising and they're shouting, praise God, hallelujah. They're calling out all the names of Jesus. Can you see it? That's what's happening in heaven today. So no, when we come in this house on Easter from this day forward, it's a fantastic celebration day. It's a fantastic celebration day. It's not about the tomb being empty. That's wonderful that he came out of the tomb. But man, oh man, what's so wonderful is the resurrection power. Glory to God. Stand to your feet. Come on. Let's give the Lord a hand. Let's give the Lord some praise for a few minute, for a moment or two. Let's just praise him. Let's just thank him. Glory to God. Father, we do thank you. Father, we do honor you. Father, we do glorify you. Father, we thank you. Oh, Father, I can see it in the heavenly. Father, it is a good day. It is a heavenly day. It is a mighty day. Father, we just thank you. But this is our victory day. This is the, this marks the day that we were resurrected and brought to life in you and through you. This is the day that the, the, the zombie apocalypse has done away. Father, we thank you that all victory over hell and the grave is won. And, Father, we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, y'all gonna have to meditate on this while you can be seated just a now, minute. Now, now, the Lord, the Lord Ooh, showed on. me something. I don't know who this is for, but but we were talking earlier about uh, in Genesis where where the Lord said that He created man in His own image, and that He He created us to have uh, dominion and power over the fish yeah. of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth and over the earth basically, but. You know, his power that he gave us is based on our words. You know, and, and, uh, and Robbie asked Jackie earlier about, um, about do you believe, you know, the words that are coming out of your mouth and stuff? And, and, and that wasn't exact words, but I'm paraphrasing. But it's hard for us to believe when we sin by lying. If we can't believe, if, if, we, can't, if we don't, God says that we need to speak the truth all the time. The world will tell you that lying's no big deal and everybody does it. 
But I'm telling you, God says that's one of the worst things you can do because you're, 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 you're decapitating the power that I gave you. Thank you, Father. You, you, are, you, are, you are causing yourself to doubt the words that come out of your mouth. If, you can, if people can't believe your words, you can't either. And if you, so you have to speak the truth at all times. And then, the, the power, then, then you can believe what you're saying. Then, you will, then you're not decapitating your faith. You're not decapitating your ability to speak the truth. Yes, thank you, Father God. It's one of the worst things thank you can you, do. Thank you, Father. And I don't know who that's for, but, but that's Lord. what the Lord showed me. Yes, come on. Next Lord, thing, shout out to Miss Kathy. Thank you, Lord. Because uh, she's, she's eating her dinner and watching us uh, on, 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 uh, on her phone right now. We love you. And then enjoying Easter service while she's eating her shawarma. And, and Glory to God. So praise Glory God. Glory to God. And, and Kathy, you, uh, we love you and we, we miss you. We love you. We look forward to you coming home. Jesus, Jesus. Our ushers will come. If you'll bring me an envelope, please. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father God. Glory, glory, glory in heaven. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Michael, if you'll uh, pray. Yes. Thank you, Father God. Thank oh, you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank, thank you, for, you for the thank revelation you, of that, that we don't have to be zombies. Lord, and, that, and we thank you that you made a plan to get us out of that so that we wouldn't have to, have to ever experience it. And, and, Lord, we all know that we've all fallen short, but we all know that, that, that you have made a way to make us clean and to cleanse us of this, this affliction. And, Lord, we just, we just ask you to help us to walk in this um, cure and to, and to stand fast against the devil. And, and know that we don't have to sin. We don't have to, to, to do that anymore. We, we're not required. It's not, we're not bound. We're, uh, we're not controlled by, by the demons. We control them. We tell them when to stop in your name. Lord, you have delivered us from evil. And you've made this a good place for us. And Lord, we just love you and we thank you for that. And we want to see your work done on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom, pressed down, shaken together, running over. We know that you will bless this offering and you will bless us so that we can be a bigger blessing. And we thank you, Lord, for this. Thank and we you, thank Lord. you for your protection. And we thank you for that authority that is in your name because we are in you. Thank we you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that the truth has been revealed. Father, I thank you that we now know the answer. Father, I thank you that that prayer I prayed all those years ago is coming to pass. Even though I didn't know what I was asking for, Father, I thank you for it. And, Father, I thank you that you're blessing the hands of every person that's here. And, Father, I thank you that you're moving us in to what you've called us to. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You may serve the people. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. I know we're way over on time. It was the way they served the people years ago. I saw the fathers of old passing away. You know, Brother Shambach and Oral Roberts and... And all these fathers of old getting close to going home to glory and then going home to glory. It's just believing God and praying God. And I told God this. I remember the day so clearly. We were in a just a prayer meeting at our old church, at our old, old church. And just a prayer meeting. And just my heart just moved with compassion. And I said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, the fathers of old are moving home or getting ready to move home. And somebody has to pick up those mantles. 
somebody has to pick up those gifts, those anointings, those, that preaching ability, that ability to cast out devils, that, that ability to reach the world. Somebody's got to pick up that, ban that mantle. And Lord, I, you know me, I'd rather be in a corner, but, rather, but, but I'll take the mantle rather than see it drop off and die. And I was talking about the fathers of old, and I just, the Lord just, just kind of, I just heard in my spirit, he said, you're starting to be like Shambok. In other words, that man would, pre or, was it, or one of them, he said, the one, uh, Shambok, I believe, that man would preach for three and four hours every single church service. Three and four, sir, three and four hours a row. I said, Lord, you told me that we would be mindful of people's time in this church. We get out 1130 to 12, and he said, I said, unless my spirit was moving. Okay, Lord. So, no, we're not going to have three and four-hour services, but when we run long, just know it's that mantle. Glory to God. We're dismissed. Have a wonderful afternoon. Uh, we 